Now, as I share this, I'm sure I'm the only one that's ever experienced this, but I'll still couch it in the question to you. Has there ever been a time in your life where the more you tried, the less you were able to do what you wanted to do? Or the more you tried to ponder uh, uh, the answer to a question that you know it's on the tip of your tongue, but you can't think about it? Or, or there's something to do, some, some process that you have to go through and you don't know where to start? Or something that you're trying to understand that, that it, just, it just doesn't make sense to you and you decide, well, I'm just going to set that aside. I'm not going to even do this not even going to think about it, and it comes to you in the, in the least likely of moments, maybe while in the shower or out for a walk or, or whatever. I, a number of years ago, there was somebody that I had run into, and I knew him, and I knew his name uh, at one point, but I couldn't think of his name, and, and he actually had a name tag on, and thank God, uh, but that didn't help me with his first name. What was his first name at three in the morning? Rick. We call those moments inspirations for a reason, because it's that breath of fresh air, which, which is what uh, spiration means, is, is breathing, and to breathe in inspiration, uh, that, that it's not from us, it's from something else, something outside of us. It's a breath of fresh air that helps us to understand, helps us to see uh, or, or to, to make sense of something. And when it comes to our lives, our spiritual lives, we know how necessary this is. Because the more we work, the less we're able to do. As we just sing, you know, without the Spirit, we are not. I, I, I love that. I love the whole sequence. But I love that line especially because it reminds us that without the Holy Spirit, we have nothing. Nothing in good and deed or thought. That, that, that without the Holy Spirit, we really are impotent. We really don't have uh, the ability to do much of anything. Oh, but with the Holy Spirit, oh my, what can the church do with that? If you remember back last year, I I did a little experiment with you uh, to encourage you to hold your breath and and hold it, hold it, hold it, and breathe it out and, and all that, and then try to speak. And if we remember, it was kind of blah. But then to take a deep breath and to say it immediately and how different it was. And the same is true for for anything we do in the church. Without breath, without the breath of the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. And last night as we gathered, we heard uh, Jesus at the, uh, the end of the feast, the greatest day of the feast, saying, Come to me all who are thirsty and drink. And he was referring to the Spirit. And St. John tells us, well, there was no Spirit yet. And if we read that on the surface level, we can get into the major, major heresy. But the reason I bring this up is because uh, there is a truth here that when we ponder further, we see what that truth is. That the Spirit wasn't alive and active in the midst of the world, in in the hearts of the believers yet, because the Spirit had not been sent from the Father and the Son yet. That the Spirit hasn't, hadn't been activated yet, and the Spirit is activated by the death and resurrection, primarily the resurrection, of Jesus. And so today in this Gospel passage, we go back to that first Easter evening, where the disciples were locked in their room for fear of the Jews. And it's not just Jews, and this is not anti-Semitic at all, but uh, it's, it's fear of the world. There, there, there they are, locked in fear. 
And Jesus comes into their midst and breathes on them and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that was with the second person of the Trinity, the Son and the Father, the first person of the Trinity, before time began. The Spirit that there was never a time, in, in, uh, there was a heresy that there was a time when Jesus, the, the, the Son of God, was not. That's a heresy condemned. That Jesus Christ, yes, took on flesh in a particular time and place in the Incarnation, in the, uh, 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 the moment of the Annunciation, as the Holy Spirit came upon the Blessed Mother. But as the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, he always was. There was never a time where he was not, and even before time. And the same is true of the Spirit. There was never a time when the Spirit was not. The Spirit has always been. And some people will, will define, and next week we celebrate Trinity Sunday, and sometimes I'll, uh, tongue-in-cheek, call it Heresy Sunday, because we so easily can slip into heresy of talking about the Trinity, but even more so with the, the Spirit. We make this, it, this impersonal force, or, or at worst, it's, it's an option for members of the church. It's an option. Having the Spirit is an option that we have, that we really don't need the Spirit, but it's, it's nice to have it. No, as already said, if the Spirit is not present, we have not. Nothing good, indeed, in thought. Without the Spirit, we don't have breath as individuals, and certainly not without uh, without the Church. That we need the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, person, not an impersonal force. And so often, uh, some of the mystics talk about about it in such a way that we might be uh, tempted to reduce the Spirit to a force, and and such language as the, 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 uh, the Father pours his heart out to the Son, and the Son pours out his heart to the Father, and the Spirit, as a person, flows between them. Well, it's a person, though. Not a person the same way we're persons uh, with, with bodies, of course, but a person nonetheless, a personality, that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a what. A who, not a what. And it's a who that gives us everything we need. As we uh, heard last week, or the week before, there's a promise that Jesus gives in his, uh, before his ascension that he was going to give them power from on high. A power that would activate them. A power that would give them uh, what they needed to be successful. Successful not in the eyes of the world, but successful in the mission of the church, the mission of Christ, to proclaim the gospel to all peoples. I've, I found myself wondering this, this week, you know, how successful were the, were the 11 between the resurrection and Pentecost? How many people were converted? How many people came to the faith in that interim period, that period of 50 days? St. Luke doesn't really give an answer but, uh, solidly, but uh, honestly, as you look at it, it's not a whole lot. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and we hear that in today's first reading, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, it's like, like a mighty wind and a storm, and you can imagine the, the, uh, the, the sound almost, if we want to, uh, or if, if uh, he were writing it now, St. Luke might, might say it was the sound of the mighty freight train. 
A mighty wind coming upon them, tongues of fire descending upon them. They all began to speak in tongues they did not know. And everyone from everywhere began to hear the gospel proclaimed in their own language. And did you catch that? St. Luke says, and they were confused. They were confused by the unity of the language that they were hearing. Each one of us is hearing the gospel proclaimed in our own language. How is this? If you go back to, again, last night, we heard the the passage from the Tower of Babel. How they wanted to build this tower to God, and and they wanted a a tower to heaven, I should say, and and to rival the gods, and, and God confused them by scattering them, confusing their speech. Now we have God bringing them together, unconfusing their speech, and they're still confused. But when Peter proclaims the gospel to them, proclaims that this is the Holy Spirit promised by Jesus Christ, who is the Lord and the Messiah. This is, this is uh, Jesus Christ who suffered on the cross and was crucified for us, who was raised. And they begin to, be, to, to receive that message. 3,000 baptized in one day. Can you imagine? 3,000. And from there, the church expands. I think part of the reason it's easy to say they probably weren't too successful in converting anyone before Pentecost is because they didn't have the the work of the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the Holy Spirit speaking in them and for them. They didn't have the power that the Spirit wanted them to have. I find myself reflecting, too, how necessary the Spirit is We live in a world probably more confused, not less confused than they did in uh, that first Pentecost, Christian Pentecost. Pentecost is a Jewish feast that had been celebrated from very early on. But we live in a world that questions reality itself, what it means to be male, what it means to be female, what it means to be uh, when, when life begins, when life is worthy of protection. We live in a world that, that confuses uh, desires, broken desires perhaps for, while this is good, we have to embrace it. As uh, some have said, we're about to enter this sacred month of pride. We live in a world that's confused in so many ways and a world that speaks so many languages that's so different than what we as Christians, as Catholics, speak. And perhaps we need the Holy Spirit to speak a word that will rouse them, a word that will, that will speak to the world, to the people of the world, and say, we don't have to live like this. There's a better way. Here's the gospel. Not just that Jesus Christ suffered and died and rose again to give us salvation, but that Jesus Christ frees, them, frees us from everything. He speaks the truth to us. He reminds us who we are. He reminds us our dignity. He reminds us that we are created in the image and likeness of God and that each one of us has worth and value. That the Holy Spirit will give us that language to speak. How we need that Holy Spirit then. Back to the original. Notice I didn't ask if you've ever experienced it because I know the answer. If you've ever been frustrated by doing it on your own, how many of us have tried to do it on our own? That we're going to try to live the gospel on our own without the Holy Spirit. 
We're going to try to uh, help our, our brothers and sisters, our, our neighbors, our friends, those who, who are so good but don't have that fullness of faith. And we don't rely on the Holy Spirit to help us. Or we try to speak to the world or try to, try to speak sense into a world that seems so lost and so confused and, and we keep, keep being frustrated by it and we're unsuccessful in doing so because we don't rely on the Holy Spirit. I think we need to go back to the words of Jesus that we would have heard last night. All who are thirsty, come to me and I will give you life-giving water. It's a gift, this Holy Spirit. A gift given to each one of us, given in, in part in baptism, given in full in confirmation. A gift given to us, not just to help us, but to help us do what we are called to do, to succeed in the mission of Jesus Christ. It begins, of course, with his death and resurrection. But as a church receives breath from on high, the Holy Spirit, the church is born and the mission begins. So while 3,000 were baptized on that first day after the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles, the church still continues to grow. While the apostles each spoke the gospel and everyone heard it in their own language, the church continues to speak the truth to a world that sometimes doesn't want it, but needs it just the same. It needs us to speak that truth, to be the truth, and to remind people that there's a better way, that we don't have to live in a world that's confused, but rather live in a world that's filled with the Holy Spirit that helps us to be inspired.